Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Well, it's going to be a, an awesome upgrade. I, uh, I'm excited about the whole thing. Listen, we got to have we got to have phone lines, like multiple phone lines going on. I don't know if I'm going to get the couch and the cot and the hammock that I was rooting for, but I'm sure the chair will be sufficient, and uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll rock and roll over from the new place next week. So we'll look forward to talking more about that. So uh, we also have some big things coming up down the pike in terms of some giveaways that we're going to do. With you folks, you know, we kind of, the March Madness, our big plan for the March Madness tournament kind of didn't go. You realize today is supposed to be like, like it's supposed to be on right now. I don't want to talk about it. I mean, I'm looking for silver linings in a lot of this stuff, but it is, it's just like when I. It's so funny because I don't even really like college basketball. I just love gambling. I feel good because I haven't lost any bets today. (laughs) I knew David was going to say that. David's. I just said I love gambling, and then I immediately thought, well, yeah, I bet your graph would have had about uh, 65 bets be, uh, yeah, on he, this thing. No, one way or so another. player props. Crazy. <laughs> Dude, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that uh, you still have money in your pockets, David. And for me, I, I, I love the turn. Well, look, me and everybody else, right? I'm not, I'm not alone in this thing, but. You just sit there and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, 4 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. On Friday, you know, the the 20th, we would have been feeling good. We would have been rocking and rolling right now. And we are, but just not in the same way. So, you know, say lovey. What are you going to do? It's all good. Let's talk some college hoops, though. Coulter, it was an interesting season this uh, this year. And it it's it's so odd the way things end because what happens in the postseason, what happens in the Big Sky Conference tournament, is so definitional, if I can say it about that, defining of what your season is. Sure. And because Montana and Montana State did not play a single game in that tournament, we're left here with this regular season with this ellipsis that will just go on into eternity for the 2019-2020 season. I'm going to give you the good and the bad. Uh, let me say it like this. I'm going to take two different sides for both the Montana State men and the Montana men from the coaches and what these teams did. And then let's have a conversation about 
who we think did the better job or or exactly how to assess how good a job was done by Travis DeCure at Montana and by Danny Sprinkle at Montana State. For the Montana Grizzlies, they lose one of, if not just flatly, the most uh, uh, sort of revered single class of players that they've ever had. The best way to say is prolific, the most prolific senior class. Certainly the most prolific. Because they, they, the, the accumulation of awards, because none of them actually ever won MVP, but the fact that Bob Moorhead and Michael Oguine both won Defensive Player of the Year, that Ahmad Rory and um, Saeed Pridgett each got first-team All-League multiple times That's in their right. career. And the fact that you know you had Jamar Coe was an All-League player. Ken Emanuel got multiple individual awards as the top reserve. And I know he's not part of that class, but that group, there were so many individual awards, plus they won 52 games the most back-to-back. I mean, they tied the school record in consecutive years for That's wins right. in a single season. And, and Montana has had teams, if you want to talk about winning games in the NC2A tournament, or if you want to talk about individual players who have ascended to levels higher than than the guys on this team. But if you talk about a group of seniors, those four guys, uh, including Jamara Coe in that, are, are, are as good a single group, I think, has ever tr- come through together in the same year, in the same graduating class at Mon- with, with Montana basketball. And they're so outstanding that you almost it almost makes Donovan Dorsey an afterthought. Right. I mean, <laughs> and he was a guy who started games in the Pac-12, and he had multiple 20-point outings last year. Obviously, he battled all sorts of crazy stuff from basically what amounted to a cancer scare that resulted in a debilitating surgery. I mean, he had to get his hip operated on, so he lost a ton of athleticism. And then finally coming back around, but there was a couple moments last year where he was the dude. Yeah, right, absolutely. So, so point being though, they lose all those guys. They come in with three freshmen who are either starting or playing major minutes. Yep. You have Saeed Pridgett as your, you know, your centerpiece in all this, and Kendall Manuel uh, certainly building on on his, you know, career up until his senior season. The addition of Jared Samuelson as well. But this was a team where there were a lot of unknowns. We thought they'd be pretty good, but we just had no idea what it was going to be. And early on, it looked like, uh-oh, this is this is problem city. Not just, look, the, Mon- the loss to Montana Tech is significant. But it's that's more of a microcosm. It's more of an example of the larger, like, if you watched Montana play in their non-conference, it was, it was not good. It was not good. So, to talk about that, then to a team that ends up winning 16 games in the regular season that is in first place for a good portion of that regular season, and also just you can see the development of the group of players all the way around. 16 games? 18, 18 overall wins, 14 conference wins. So, They're 14, fit, and, 14 well, and 6 in conference play. Yeah, they were. They did not win 16 games. You're right. What, but were they not 15 and 5? No, they were 14, 14, and, six. And, 14 and 6. Losing, okay, Losing 3 out of 4 to go into the tournament. 14 and 6 at the end. Uh. But to watch this team progress the way that they did, to just pound Eastern Washington twice, who ends up being the winner of the Big Sky Conference, and to absolutely be in a position of expectation when it came to the tournament is really, really impressive. And if you talk to me about coaching and the coaching job in terms of what you got to do, rather than getting players who are better than other players to play at that level so that they win. You had to get players who had never played before, along with players who certainly obviously had and were very good players in their own right, to play together and get to a certain level. And I thought Travis DeCure, Chris Cobb, the whole group really did an unbelievable job and the progression that you can see that is that is absolutely measurable 
from the beginning to the end is there. Isn't there a criticism, though, because it wasn't to the end? It was till two weeks before the end, and then they went completely reverted to what they were during the non-conference. That is the good side of Montana. The bad side of Montana is is the start of it, but more the end of it, where at the after it's all said and done, lost to Northern Colorado in what was a probably or it felt like for the Big Sky Conference right. title type of game, right. and then still couldn't finish it off against Southern Utah, who look Southern Utah did finish strong and is a very talented team. It's still senior night in your own barn and that that game goes down as a loss and you lose three of your last four and end up in third place in big sky conference play so the 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 going the other direction on this season you go that's bad that was a bad finish and it wasn't going well going into the tournament what what, what could we even expected from montana in the tournament that we don't really know but that is all that is the grizzlies this season now that's their story Eastern Washington won the regular season title outright. Mm-hmm. Montana swept Eastern Washington. Yeah. Would you agree with the statement that, though, I'm going to make this statement. Montana did not win a single game this year that they were not supposed to win. I, I didn't follow. They didn't win they a did single game. They did not win a single game this year that they were not supposed to win. In other words, every game they were supposed to win is games they won. They also lost some games they were supposed to win. And their, what's their best win? Montana's best win out of 18 wins this well, year. Well, probably at Eastern. At Eastern. But I'm just, I guess what I'm saying is it's, to me, because of the psychological advantage Montana has over Eastern Washington, I think that, that at Eastern and at Montana State are on par to me just because of the, of the way that Coach DeCure no. has owned Eastern Washington. I mean, I, I just The point don't, I'm making is the that. biggest criticism I have for this Grizz team is that the league was down this year, and they only won the games they were supposed to win. And they also lost a couple games that they were supposed to win. And as David pointed out with the Ken Palm rankings, the luck rating is real. Would Montana have split with Portland State this year had Portland State been healthy when they came to Missoula playing on a Monday game? It was their fourth game in seven days. Would they? Would Montana have won? You'll never know. Right. But And would Montana have smacked Weber like they did, beat them by 30? I mean, Weber wasn't good this year. But Jared Carding being a, a no-go... That helps you. I mean, sure. it, it puts you in a position. And I guess what I'm saying is I was 0% surprised that Montana beat Eastern Washington either way. I was surprised how bad they beat them in Cheney. But it's the matchup favors Montana. The psychological advantage favors Montana. All I'm saying is I think that the Grizz had a good year. But I also think that of all the teams in the league, the thing that robs from the narrative of the season is Montana. They're, they're, how it would have finished would have been the entire, yes. the entire thing. That's right. Because if they win three in a row and they go to the tournament – Travis DeCure's the best coach. I mean, he, I still think he's the best coach in the league. Let's not kid ourselves. I mean, Coach DeCure's the best coach in the big sky. Yeah. But you, you really could have said, wow, that was a great job. You got this team to 21 wins. You got this team to the tournament. Wow, that's a great job. Here, I guess all I'm going to say is this, though. If, if you say, well, they only won the games that they were supposed to win, if they were supposed to win 14 games with three freshmen playing major minutes, that's, I mean, that's that's amazing. I See, I think it sort of is, but I also think that Montana's at such a higher level as a program in general than everybody else in the league, including Weber State, because of whatever happened to their program taking a step back this year. In the last three years, they've taken yeah. a step back. I mean, they, they just aren't the premier program like Montana is. Right. It's not surprising to me that Coach DeCure could go get three freshmen. That's all he does. I mean, the guys are recruiting machine. They have they have a whole new team ready to go, sitting on the bench every year. Just four transfers that are just locked and loaded. Who yep. knows? These guys all might be all league players when yep. they step off the bench. I mean, he's done it three times where he's reloaded 
with unbelievable transfers. So for him to be able to go talk three kids from high-level programs in California to coming and playing for multiple-time Big Sky Conference Championship team, it's it, it, testament to him for sure. But I, I think that uh, he's just in a different realm than everybody else in the league. Yeah. If you were another any other coach in the league brought in those three freshmen, you'd be like, well, wow, that's a great recruiting class too. And he does deserve credit. It is a great recruiting class, but also – my, I guess what I'm saying is, to me, the fact I voted Montana to win the league, I thought Montana was good. It, it, to me, they've reached a status as a program that's so far superior to the rest of the league, and that's a testament both to Travis DeCure, but also I think it's a referendum on the rest of the league. I mean, Eastern Washington's really good, right? They won 16 games, but right. you know what I'm talking about. Like, from a program standpoint, there isn't this ebbs and flows thing anymore. That, Montana, too, that's what, I guess what I'm getting at is that even with all the the influx and all the guys leaving and yep. the incoming freshmen, twenty games is the baseline for Montana. But again, moment. so what? But what you're saying there then is this to me: this team, especially because of the way they finished, was was maybe only adequate in relationship to what what they what the expectations are. For Montana, but also the also, reason I mean, the expectations are what they are at Montana is because of Travis Secure. Oh, and, and well, right? and Travis Secure and everything that came before him. Sure, as well. for sure. But in, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty tremendous foundation, you know. It is, but he is he has cemented that foundation. He absolutely right, has. Years. But even as great as Randy Ray's been at Weber State, you know, Joe Cravens before him. But it's those guys are not Stu Morrill and Mike Montgomery. You know what I mean? Like the level that of the, that's been at this school has been outstanding, and the right. program that Travis Secure inherited was so strong. I mean, had gone to the NCAA tournament three out of the last four years. So that that is the standard. I'm not trying to slight them at all. I just think that I think that this year was exactly on par with expectations. I don't think they did any better of a job than what I expected them to do. That's what happens when you become elite in your realm of the universe, though, right? Well, let me ask you this question. If instead of losing three out of four down the stretch, right. they won three out of four, but maybe dropped a game to Eastern in the middle of the season and maybe dropped one other and still finished 14 and six, but finished on a, you know, winning on senior night at home, you know, and, and, and maybe beating Northern Colorado. Maybe they finished two and oh at home in the last two games. They lose to that Northern Arizona team, but win, win the last two in Missoula. With the exact same record, do you feel differently? Again, it's just this. That's why the tournament, I think, robs this. Team. Exactly, you're right. It does. It absolutely does. Because it's like I said on the show. I, you guys were have been giving me a hard time over, it, but I said I thought Montana was the favorite in every game they played this year, and I think it's it. It, it sounds like egotistical to say in terms of propping up their program, but they just are the favorite in every Big Sky game. I'm not going to take an argument otherwise. Until yeah. Weber State gets back on track or until somebody else... I mean, Portland State is, is Montana's nemesis, but it's still they're still Portland State. It's not Montana. They get up for the Grizz game, certainly, but it, are they better program? Are they better team? They're not. Stu Tell Nuanas, 102.9. Sorry this may feel like it's out of context, but we're experiencing technical difficulties due to the new studio build-out. So you're going to jump into the middle of a conversation that Ryan and Coulter are having about University of Montana basketball. Thanks. I think that they have a lot of deficiencies. That said, I do think that they have a couple underrated guys. When I was really breaking it down, we were doing our postseason awards. Borja Fernandez was actually my number two freshman of the year candidate behind Derek Carter-Hollinger, who ended up winning it for us and winning it for the league. But Borja Fernandez, he's, he's, a, he's by no means an athletic specimen, but he's a very big, strong kid. 
he just doesn't look like much of a basketball player because he's very, you know, he's thick in the lower body. He's yeah. got a jumper. He's got he, kind of an he, awkward He's got shot. a funky way about it. But then yeah. you see him bang with Saeed Prizia, and he's like chest and Saeed up, and he's not getting knocked well, out. Well, of, he's a horse. He's I mean, a, he's big, a dude. big old dude. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he probably weighs, what do you think he weighs, 250? I mean, he's, yeah. he's a uh, big I bet dude. He, I bet he's... If he's not 250, I mean, he's right because at he's it. He's 6'7", and he's got big lower body. He's a big dude. Big chest. Yep. No, he's he, uh, and, he's, and, he's, and strong, he's a scorer. And he, he can, he can yeah. score. He's got a lot. I mean, that's the thing. He looks His game looks funny, but he doesn't think it looks funny. Right. He's very confident. I mean, he lets it fly, and he hit some big shots for them this year. So that's one piece I think is underrated. I think that the the lack of being able to mesh Devin Kirby and Jabril Bellows yeah. by the failure of their season, yep. those guys, they just don't complement each other in this day and age, especially when you had a, a dribble-heavy point guard. You're just When you play those two guys, one takes away from the other because one guy's got to go the block, the other one's got to play pick and roll. You can't do the same thing, so you're just marginalizing one of them when they're on the court. Yeah. And if they're both on the block, then Harold Frey has no room to operate, and so you're just messing with yourself all the way around. But I think that Jabril Bello is an absolutely real talent. I mean, I'll vo- I'll vote him on my preseason All League team coming into next year. Yep. He's a very good big man. A guy that's only been playing basketball for a handful of years, so I think that gives him a ton of upside too. And I th- I think the biggest thing they need to do in the off season they need to they need to lock Ahmed Adamu in his room and just have him watch games with point guards like Steve Nash. And who knows who's going to be the point guard for Montana State next year. But right. Amon Adamu is a freak athlete. And he has the ability to sometimes sometimes just go nuts and score 25 points. But then sometimes just take some of the worst shots. And I think all of it is just basketball IQ. I think if the kid learns the game, he obviously has the desire and the want to. His right. motor is insane. Right. He can jump out of the gym. He's unbelievably fast. He just doesn't. He takes terrible shots. But I don't think it's because he's a ball hog. I think he just doesn't understand the game at a really high level yet. So let me, let me, we just got a couple seconds here and then, and then we'll go, but to answer the, he, the main look, question, here, here's the down, the downside. If you want to go the other direction on, it's this, what is Montana state every single year? Well, 10 and 10, they actually, right, right. They, the, they had their, their biggest win total since 2002 this year, which was 16. That's right. They got to 16 and 50 and look again, relative to expectations, it's outstanding, but they were just, they were 10 and 10 again. And it just so happened that ten and ten this season fell in a way that they got the fifth seed. But if they're ten and ten in a lot of seasons, they're not getting a buy. And so, as good as this team was, and believe me, I'm a buyer of Montana State men's basketball. Danny Sprinkle, you know, as as far as this goes right here, the direction that I see it going. So I'm a full buyer. But I told you I was going to give you the other side on both Montana and Montana State. The other side is. Well, buy them all you want. Guess what they are? What they are? 500 again. Yes. And so that's the thing where it's like, okay, you know, you got to break through that seat. Like getting the buy is great, but that, you know, it's it's only, it's almost incidental to the fact that you just were the team that did what you always do, and that's be middle of the road. I, I totally agree. And the other thing is, you know, they put, they went all in on Harold Frey. They should have. Absolutely the best player. Of course. But they didn't have anything to fall back on. And once Eastern Washington, that game that they played at Eastern, and Eastern showed the blueprint of just trap the ball screen, knock Harold Frey off the spot, be as physical as you possibly can with him, just abuse him, basically. Yeah. And if you just do that and he just does and you just don't let him score at all, because you just throw him on the ground every time, they can't score. I mean, they scored forty nine points in that game. Yeah. So and and once that was shown though, they didn't have anything to, to go to. That part of that's personnel. But they just never showed that they could manufacture any sort of offense in any other way. Stutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Carl Tyler, Chevrolet.
the exclusive home of Carl Tyler's lifetime powertrain warranty, the Carl Tyler Auto Group. We'll take a break. On the other side, Benjamin Albright covers the Denver Broncos. He's an insider there, hosts Broncos Country tonight on KOA in Denver. The Broncos have been very active in free agency, including getting Melvin Gordon today, not to mention Jarrell Casey in the last day or two. So we'll talk to him about the state of affairs in Denver right after this. You know, Coulter, the online world is complex, and it's even the more complex when you have a business that's online. And let's be honest, every business is online in this day and age. How nice would it be if you had a company that could help you make your business demands simpler and the approach easier to understand while also making it secure? One of the great books ever written, Eric Hoffer, The True Believer, one of the Thesis in this book is man of ideas and men of action. Sometimes the men of ideas need men of action. We need help. We need help with all of the logistics of technology. Boy, do we. I got nothing but ideas, and I got no clue how to do any of this other stuff. So that's why you call our friends at Blackfoot. Blackfoot Communications are your men and women of action. When your business online needs help, needs security, and needs to, frankly, just stay functioning. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. Ensure that your company is online all the time. Get the people of action from Blackfoot Communications. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. We go out to the Regish Brothers RV Foli. We welcome in a show host, reporter, and analyst of the Denver Broncos on their flagship station, hosts Broncos Country tonight on KOA Radio. It's Benjamin Albright on the show. Benjamin, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? I am. Uh, I'm doing well, and gentlemen, this is a milestone for me. Uh, I have officially done a spot in every state in the United States hey. now that I've done Montana. Nice. Well, so, you know. Uh, the headliner, right? That's what you do. You put the biggest one right there at the end for everybody uh, at the state of Montana. So, well, it's uh, it's good. It's especially exciting for me. My uh, my mother lives in Montana and Billings, and my brother does as well. Well, outstanding. Well, we appreciate you being on with us. And look, man, uh, from a regional standpoint, there's a lot of Bronco fans. Well per capita i mean there's never a lot of anybody in montana right but per capita a lot of bronco fans up here and i gotta think that those bronco fans got to be pretty excited you get melvin gordon signed on today i think melvin gordon is a guy to uh to be pretty high on and just a two-year deal which i think is a really good duration for a running back but also uh Jarrell casey yesterday i think is a, an outstanding signing uh in a lot of ways for for an already stout denver defense i know you lose chris harris but this has been a pretty uh high activity sort of free agency moment here for the Broncos. Where are you at with Denver right now? Well, I think it's pretty exciting. I think there's a lot of cautious optimism here based on the way the season ended last year, the final five games with Drew Locke, and then you you know, you know, kind of look at this offseason and the Broncos have just added talent. They traded for A.J. Bouye, traded for uh, Jarrell Casey, who you already mentioned. Um, you know, in the free agent signing, Graham Glasgow, who's a, a solid interior lineman, and then Melvin Gordon gives them, uh, you know, Phil Lindsay and Mel Gordon's going to be a pretty – Pretty tough one-two punch there at the running back. So, you know, I, I think uh, cautious optimism is uh, the word here in Denver. The Melvin Gordon acquisition today, I mean, that's a splash for sure. Melvin Gordon's definitely one of those guys that has more uh, name brand recognition than maybe his performance would constitute just because he was so great in college and he has been good when he's been healthy, but he's had a hard time staying healthy. But actually, I thought, you know, the Broncos last year – because they had they had strengths, they had weaknesses. But I thought one of their strengths was the fact that they used a two back system 
pretty darn well. Royce Freeman did a great job of spelling Philip Lindsay. I thought that was able to take some wear and tear off Lindsay. So, what do you? Where does this Melvin Gordon acquisition leave the running backs room? And is there a spot in the rotation still for Royce Freeman? Well, they're going to draft a running back as well, and he and Royce will compete for that third spot. Royce caught the ball well out of the backfield, significantly better than you thought for a guy his size. But, you know, in the short yardage situations where they really wanted him to to excel, he, he really wasn't all that great. And so, you know, that's kind of been a problem. They didn't have that short yardage uh, situational back. Melvin Gordon, uh, for whatever he's lacked, has always been pretty good in the short yardage and situational game. And uh, with the new offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, in there, they're not going to have a fullback, so they're going to run shotgun. Uh, the back will be offset to the right, and they'll try to run power off the left tackle, left guard. And, you know, they figure like he's a good. Uh, uh, he's a good fit for that, considering that's kind of what he did there at uh, with the Chargers. So, uh, you know, I think uh, I think it's a good fit. He's a good receiver out of the backfield, and you know, I think ultimately uh, at one-two punch there, that's going to be a pretty pretty dominant one-two punch. Benjamin, talk to us about Drew Locke because this is a kid who obviously couldn't play for the first uh, you know eleven games or whatever it was of the the season with a hand or wrist. Comes in and all of a sudden when he's on the field, everybody goes, "Wow, this kid looks really good. He can play." But also hasn't really played in that meaningful a game. I do love the fact that he wraps on the sideline. That goes a long way with me. But I'm wondering, as a football player, like I mean, I know I know Denver fans got to be optimistic about this kid. But what do we know about him really at this point? Oh, you know, he's athletic, he's smart, he's intense, he's fiery. Um, you know, he's a guy that gets guys motivated to play with him and for him. You should have seen the excitement. Uh, after that first game he played, they won that football game. Dalton Reister comes and picks him up, carries him across the field. Uh, Cortland Sutton's over there congratulating Guys want to play with Drew Locke. That was one of the things that uh, I saw him in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and I, I told everybody and anybody I could, hey, this kid can play. we got to get him in here in Denver. And then when they drafted him, I was, I was over the moon. Um, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him, got a big arm, mobile. Um, needs a little bit of refinement in the sense that he'll take a chance or two. He probably shouldn't throw off that back foot. But, uh, you know, overall, I think he's a, he's a great quarterback with uh, sky's the limit written all over him. Denver's had such issues at quarterback since Peyton Manning retired. So, I mean, is, is Drew Locke the answer? Is this a chance for John O'Leary to prove that he actually can bring in a quarterback that can stick? I think so. I certainly hope so. Uh, you go back and look at the, you know, the quarterbacks they've had. They have certainly had issues. You had a guy like uh, Trevor Simeon who had a problem with, uh, you know, drifting too far back in the pocket, getting sacked. Joe Flacco just didn't have, uh, just didn't have it anymore. He was planting like a tree at the fifth step of the drop and and getting sacked. Brandon Allen, uh, that, that that was cute for a game, but that that's not really a real thing. Um, Paxton Lynch was an abject disaster. Case Keenum didn't mesh well with the locker room and couldn't push the ball down the field. So, you know, I think Drew is the first complete quarterback they really had since Peyton Manning, and uh, I'm I'm confident he'll get the job done. Benjamin Albright joining us. He hosts Broncos Country Tonight on KOA Radio in Denver. He's an analyst and insider of the Denver Broncos there in Denver. Uh, Benjamin, I want to ask you about Vic Fangio. You know, the trend when uh, all the hiring was happening was anybody who's, who's you know, high five Sean McVay gets a head coaching job now. We're going to go with the young offensive guys. And Denver goes the exact other way with the old defensive guy. I loved the hire in, in principle at the time that it happened, but it didn't look that great early on last year then they started to get it rolled a little bit where are we at with Vic Fangio as a head coach right now 
Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there. You know, in 2008, I was down there with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Sean McVay was the wide receiver coach. I handed him a cup of coffee once, so I was waiting on my head coach. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> but that didn't materialize. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, but it didn't materialize. Now, it, John Elway figured with everybody else act. You know, everybody went young, and John's like, you know what? I want a proven, steady hand to guide this thing. Somebody who's been around the league, who knows what's needed, uh, get these guys going. He did the the young head coach thing with Vance Joseph, and that just didn't work out. So, yeah. uh, you know, he went and brought the fans go in. Vic's been a breath of fresh air. I got to tell you, working in media, man, it's great covering the guy because uh, I, I actually even bother to go to press conferences anymore. You know, I've been long known around Denver for just skipping the pressures because the coaches give these paddle answers. Vic will give you real answers to real questions. And I tell you, doing this job, you guys know how refreshing that can be. Yes, we do. We've heard it. I might drive to Denver for that very thing, actually. That sounds great. <laughs> no doubt. Well, Benjamin, we've talked all, all about the offensive side of the ball for the Broncos, and that's obviously the part that they need to improve the most because I think they're pretty darn solid on defense. But when you add Jarrell Casey, who in my mind, one of the most underrated players in the NFL, a guy who's been on the NFL Top 100 list two or maybe even three years in a row, Pro Bowl type guy, and then you also add A.J. Bouye, what do you think that that adds to the uh, Broncos defense that already has great players like Vaughn Miller and, and Bradley Chubb and, and some other pretty uh, elite talent? Well, I think any time you add talent, you add talent. You know what I mean? You can't no get better by adding. I can't get worse by adding talent. Now, I think it gives them a better push with Casey. It gives it better coverage at Bouillet. Um, you know, we're we're all eyeballing the offensive side in the draft, see where they go there. But uh, I think right now, you look at their defense. I, I thought they played pretty well last year, and I think they're going to be in line for an, another big year this year. Well, Benjamin, last one for you here. Just want to talk about the division. I mean, the AFC West has been a very good division. Obviously, that's the Super Bowl champion in it right now, and everybody's looking up at Kansas City. But you look at the Chargers, they got a pretty good group, although they're going to have to figure out what they're doing at quarterback. And the Ra- Producer David Graff here again. Sorry, this interview with Broncos insider Benjamin Albright ended abruptly and awkwardly because you guessed it, technical difficulties. Enjoy what's coming up next, an interview with UM Western head women's basketball coach Lindsey Woolley. You know, Coulter, the online world is complex, and it's even the more complex when you have a business that's online. And let's be honest, every business is online in this day and age. How nice would it be if you had a company that could help you make your business demands simpler and the approach easier to understand while also making it secure? One of the great books ever written, Eric Hoffer, The True Believer. One of the theses in this book is man of ideas and men of action. Sometimes the men of ideas need men of action. We need help. We need help with all of the logistics of technology. Boy, do we. I got nothing but ideas, and I got no clue how to do any of this other stuff. So that's why you call our friends at Blackfoot. Blackfoot Communications are your men and women of action. When your business online needs help, needs security, and needs to, frankly, just stay functioning, At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. Ensure that your company is online all the time. Get the people of action from Blackfoot Communications. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. Well, Pat Riley, you know, he's in his book, that he wrote after coaching the Los Angeles Lakers. He, he talks extensively about the disease, the disease of more, the disease of me. That's obviously yeah. way more prevalent in the NBA than any other level. But he says that the number one hardest thing to do in sports is not to win a championship, but it's to win a second straight championship. You guys, you don't, you, you'll never know because obviously the tournament was canceled, but you did piece together a 20-win season, and you got back into the national tournament. So, I mean, do you agree with that statement, how hard it is to defend? 
Uh, there's no question. I mean, you're getting, you know, and that's, it's funny you talk about that. It's a book that we've referenced to a lot in the last four or five years, just different parts and pieces of it. Cause there's so much good information there, but knowing that you're getting everybody's best shot, especially like for us at a league, like we were getting everybody's best shot. Like it was like coaches. We talked to like, Oh yeah, we came up here to play in this tournament. Cause we knew we got to play the defending national champions. And you're like, well, God, like we're, I, w- I would have signed up because I knew we lost four starters and like, well, yeah, we can go beat those guys. And, and so, so it's, it's definitely different. And I think, I think for our younger kids, it was a great experience and kind of a great, just, you know, throw you into the cold tub and it's, it's time for college hoops experience. What to you was, was the toughest part about it? Was it just that thing where everybody, everybody's looking to play Montana Western now that maybe, you know, where it was just a game before and now it's the game of maybe their non-conference schedule or something like that. Yeah. I mean, for me, for me, like obviously preparation, all those types of things, like nothing changes, right? Like you always are preparing, like you're going to get beat and you're afraid you're going to get beat and all those types of things. But really for our younger kids, that, that, that that's the biggest thing is like the eye opener for them. Like we had a few older kids, obviously our senior Savannah Bignell and, and Shannon Wooster, one of our juniors coming back and, and Paige Holmes who had played a ton for us, uh, a junior coming back as well. Like they knew what they were getting themselves into, but our freshmen really had no idea. And, right. And they, and they typically don't like whether you're the defending national champs or your team that went, Oh, and, 25 the year before like they don't know what's coming and so for them to get kind of the water splash in their face and, and get thrown to the fire so to speak like pick your adjective right like they're very they figured it out in a hurry and and they they did a really good job of kind of recovering and figuring it out as the year went when i look through your roster it's so interesting because it just shows you how tight-knit of a state montana is but also some of this the sporting families in the state you have a whole mm-hmm. bunch of gals that are related to a bunch of Guys that are, uh, guys and gals that are uh, reputable names of Montana. These gals are reputable names of their own right. You mentioned Savannah Bignell, your only senior this year, but also I know Raleigh Wooster's sister plays for you there, Shannon, and I know that uh, Brindley Fitzgerald. I mean, her brothers both RJ is going to go play, or he does play for the Bobcats, and her bro- yeah. other other brother is going to probably play college football for either the Grizz or the Bobcats. Her dad was on the '95 national championship team. So, what do you think of that element? Just kind of the family connections that you can use in recruiting, and just the way that Montana is so intertwined with siblings playing college sports across the state. For sure. I mean, that's obviously you, you try to get the best kids that you can, and and typically that ends up in my, in our small state being daughters of of you know fathers or mothers that had successful college careers somewhere or possibly right. sibling in, in the case of savannah and so i think it's you know it's just that trickle down effect that we you know we don't necessarily look for it per se in recruiting but it's definitely you know something that we look at and say oh yeah well you know so and so is related to this person or this person and you know there's some lineage there that we can take advantage of Lindsey Woolley joining us. He's the head coach of the Montana Western women's basketball team, the subject of our coach's corner brought to us by Opportunity Bank. And Lindsey, I want to keep on that same sort of thread, but more in a coaching realm, because you're in your eighth season now as the head coach of Montana Western and women's basketball has become, you know, is is a big deal in the state of Montana, I think, relative to a lot of other states. And when you talk Mm -hmm. about the late, you know, Montana State, Montana and those women's programs that have, you know, 
that are that are so prominent in the state, but it's still such a small community of people. How much overlap do you have with coaches like Shannon Schwinn, Trisha Binford, and others? You know, obviously within within the Frontier League as well, but in, in non basketball like game context. But in in the off season, do you call them? How many people do you talk to and just say, "Hey, what's going on here? What's going on with you?" and all that kind of stuff? Is there a lot of communication or not much? I think there's some that goes back and forth. You know, I, I think more within our league, probably with the coaches that you're close to are, you know, kind of more of your peers right. um, and your contemporaries that you lean on. Obviously you look at someone like Shannon and Trish that have, you know, so much more going on in the summer than we do as NAI programs, you know, where they're on the road recruiting and, and, and really trying to get away from it at times because of how their year is structured versus ours. Um, you know, the dialogue is not there as much, but certainly I have relationships on, on both of those staffs. I sat with Jordy for a couple of games, the class C last weekend in Missoula and, and, uh, and obviously, you know, visit with Mike and, and some of Trisha's staff as well. So it's, I think it's, it's a close knit community. I mean, I think it, it all goes back to Robin, right? Like I, I actually listened to your guys' podcast with Robin this mm-hmm. morning when I was daddy daycaring here at home and, you know, trying to get my child to learn something in the, <laughs> the realm of numbers and counting. And, great prep for the show. Great prep for the interview, Lindsay. Well done. Right, yeah. yeah. Do, I get, do I get some royalties? Uh, yeah, oh, we'll, 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 we'll hook you up. You'll get a hat from us here in a minute. <laughs> but I think it's, you know, it's just part of our community. And, like, I, I see it here in Dillon all the time. Like, the last two, three years, like, our crowds for our women's game have been outstanding. And you look across the Frontier Conference, I mean, we go to Northern play in front of 1,500 people and go to Carroll and you get close to 2,000 people most nights, and, and we pack our little 900-seat gym, you know, fairly full most conference nights. So it's it's a great atmosphere to coach in, and you're certainly thankful to, to be in a state like Montana where you get that support. Lindsey Woolley joining us, the head coach of the Montana Western women's basketball team and still the reigning national champions, <laughs> right? boys and yeah. girls at the NAIA level, because <laughs> that's the way that goes uh, with, uh, with the – impromptu break that we're all experiencing now Lindsay. as always man we appreciate it thanks for being with us continued success over there in dylan all right man appreciate it thanks for having me guys you got it Lindsay woolley opportunity bank coaches corner your local bank your opportunity Lindsay woolley man he this is a guy i mean he's he's montana basketball all the way through i mean played high school hoops went to montana tech played played his college basketball and golf and golf yeah yep. so let's not forget golf hey I mean, he's a good basketball player. He's an outstanding golfer. Wasn't he a state champion golfer? He's an annoying person. <laughs> yes. Okay. Because I was on the same teams. And by the same teams, I mean the junior ver- versions <laughs> of the teams that he was on. And uh, yeah, there's not not a lot of a competition between he and I in terms of uh, success. So uh, and then has been you know an outstanding uh, head women's coach. And he's a guy. I mean, he's a name that that is certainly out there in terms of. You know, when vacancies come around the state of Montana, and he's, he's, for, he's on those lists. Well, he's fortifying it so much lately, too, because yes. he's won four, four straight 21 seasons. He's won a total of 101 games over the last four years. Amazing. So, averages about 25 wins a year. He's got a 27-win year in there. He's got a 30-win year in there. So he, the numbers are really starting to jump out. I mean, the fact that they lost Brianna King, who was the best player in the country. In the nation, absolutely. Then, then they still won 20 games. That's a testament to him. I mean, they were really, really young, but uh, he's done a good job fortifying it. I mean, I asked about the Fitzgerald girl because she's going to be the centerpiece going forward. Yep. And she's a she's a six foot four girl who started her career at Montana State. She's a good player. So um, it'll be fun to watch as long as he's still there. And uh, if he does move on to different things, it'll be interesting to see. But Lindsay's a 
Lindsey's a hell of a coach, and yep. he always has been ever since he was a young guy. So I uh, appreciate him for joining us and wish him the best of success moving forward. Hour one of the books, hour two straight ahead. Our match from Student of the Week, Hayden Herschel, going to join us right after this, so stick around for that. Hey, right now, it's snow check season at Kurtz Polaris. What is snow check season? Well, the new 2021 Polaris snowmobiles, that's right, next year's models, they're available to assess and put together, create your own customizable sled right now so that when they're being built, they build it exactly to your specifications, deliver it to you first, and you have it before everybody else. You go into Curse Polaris, and right now you can check out the new Chaos models that have a new drive system. It's a quick drive, too, a new 2.75-inch inch Series 8 track, and a factory-installed low-elevation clutching option. Choose from, are you ready, 100,000 different combinations to customize your sled only through snow check season going on now through April 15th. You can also get special snow check warranty and financing offers at Kurtz Polaris. Kurtz Polaris is at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy. Get in right now online, KurtzPolaris.com. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes. And they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org. Or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold. Or visit online anytime, anywhere, MSU Bookstore. .org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.